Um, we have been, as you know, and this would line up great with Terry's actual uh, class coming up, we've been going through the Gospels for a season, right? We've been looking at the life of Jesus for a while, looking at his teachings, his movement, the way he does miracles, his actions, the things he says, and then asking ourselves, what is it about that that we're supposed to emulate? What is it about his life, the things that he values, the way he speaks to people, and how are we supposed to, in some way, begin to live out those exact same things? To do that in our context and to do it in a significant way. And so even over the last several weeks, I know some people are coming and going throughout the summer. We've looked at Jesus and the way he's healing people and the way he's healing us. We've looked at Jesus and intentional relationships. The importance of actually investing in people in intentional, meaningful ways. Next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, Jesus and his teaching on anxiety, worry. How are we supposed to live into not being anxious for anything, but in everything, to trust and depend on him? Uh, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on inclusion and the way he models what it means to include the outsider, the foreigner, the, the foe, the friend, uh, and what that means for us. And this morning... It's our uh, intent to look at another particular teaching of Jesus. Uh, to get us thinking about this one, I want just for a moment to think about last words. What I mean by last words are the phrase or the sentence or the last few things uttered by someone before they pass. Stories told of Karl Marx, March 14th, 1883. His housekeeper, the, the story says, the housekeeper came to him and said to him, uh, tell me your last words. He was on his deathbed. Tell me your last words that I might write them down so that the world may know. And what's said is that Karl Marx at that moment yelled at her, like, go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. Now, Karl Marx had an opinion about last words. But the truth of the matter is that for all of us, there's something to be said about what are the last things we utter. There's something fascinating about it. It reveals something about who we are as a person. P.T. Barnum of the famous Barnum and Bailey Circus, last words were, what were today's receipts? I want to know what the outcome was. Augustus Caesar, the first Roman emperor, said, as his last words, if I played the part well, then applaud me as I exit. Leonardo da Vinci, a famous inventor and painter, and this is a sobering last statement, at least for me, he says, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Ouch, for the rest of us. <laughs> right? In Mona Lisa, I mean, he's done a few things. Uh, John Wesley the last phrase was, the best of all is that God is with us. There are so many famous last words uttered from so many people, but the one I want us to concentrate on this morning is uh, one of the last phrases of Jesus. The Gospels record for us multiple phrases that he uttered. And near the time when he breathed his Jesus said this phrase, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. For the next two weeks, we want to look at Jesus and forgiveness. What does He say about forgiveness? What does He invite us to do? 
How do we live into it? And it's, uh, forgiveness is a fascinating concept. It's life-altering in so many ways. George MacDonald, when he was asked, what is forgiveness, defined it as this. Forgiveness is the giving and so the receiving of life. And really, forgiveness is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. It's almost impossible for us to understand what it means to be a person of faith without this understanding of forgiveness. But at the same time, I think we would say that forgiveness evokes so much within us. For some, it reminds us of a deep, deep wound. For others, it's a, it triggers this visceral reaction, this pain, this suffering that was endured. It causes something to kind of rise to the surface that you've been working hard to push down for a really, really long time. Maybe for some of you, when you think of forgiveness, a face rushes to your mind immediately. Maybe you are transported back to a certain place in time, and it's almost as if you're starting to relive that very moment, that very hurt, the very pain that took place. Maybe it's something that someone said to you and seemed to say it again and again and again, and when you think of forgiveness, it's almost as if that phrase is echoing in your mind. Forgiveness evokes so much in us. That's why C.S. Lewis says, everyone says forgiveness isn't a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. Right? Forgiveness can be one of the most difficult things in the universe, but I'm persuaded it can also be one of the most beautiful things. It's stronger and more powerful than any act of violence, any abuse, any oppressor. It can bring healing to families and friends. It can heal relationships. And our prayer, as we've been praying the last several weeks, is that it can heal a nation. That we can see radical change take place, not by hate for hate, but rather an act of forgiveness. So this week and next, we're going to look at this idea of forgiveness. But I thought before we got into all of the, what does forgiveness mean, and how do we act it out, and what does it look like? To actually start with this question, what does it mean to actually examine myself and see if I'm in need of offering forgiveness? And so what I want to do is just take a moment and have us consider a few signs that you might still need to forgive someone. Maybe even as I utter that, you're going, oh, and immediately a name comes to mind. There's instantly somebody comes to the forefront and you're like, okay, I've got to deal with I've got to make something right. For others of you, maybe a face came to mind or a name, and you're like, no, 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 no. I, I dealt with that a long time ago. Yeah, it's, it's over. It's all well and good, and maybe that's the case. But what I want to do is just take a moment and, uh, and, and highlight some signs that might indicate whether we still have some work to do related to forgiveness. Now, my warning for us as we enter this, is that uh, when you talk about it, when you walk through forgiveness, when you look at the signs that might reveal you need it, it could demand some work of us, right? And we make no apologies here for that. It could demand that you actually have to do something, that you can't just 
come in, sit, listen, check off the you know, religious box for the week and walk out and go, hey, all's good. But there might be something, if you allow the Spirit to work in such a way, there might be something in you this week that requires action over the course of the week. So, let's uh, look at a few signs. Now, these signs, these questions have been gleaned from numerous sources. Books, readings, sermons, topics, uh, uh, things that I've read over the years, stuff that I ask myself on a regular basis. Uh, So, a, a few signs for us to look at to see if we need to wrestle with forgiveness. Number one, and if you're a note taker, we'll just walk through these quick. The idea would be to really ask yourself each one of these questions. Number one. Uh, someone mentions the pain that they experienced or the wound that they received and you immediately think of the pain caused by this person. So it's if you're standing with someone and they're telling you, kind of reliving this story of, man, I was hurt recently. It was so hard. It was, and the first thing that pops into your mind is there's someone that did something to me. And if I could tell you what that was, then you might still have forgiveness to work through. Number two, when things fall short, don't go well, life just generally sucks, if you're in that state, you think of ways to figure out how it's this person's fault. You figure out ways to somehow blame them. In the midst of something, they really have nothing to do with it, but you're like, man, when they did that a year ago to me, it resulted in the thing that I'm experiencing right now. And so it like triggers you back to that moment, back to that person. Number three, you have a hard time saying the person's name without a corresponding feeling of pain. That person's name comes up, maybe you hear their name uttered, and you instantly think of pain. You feel that pain. I remember having a conversation with someone not too long ago, and uh, they were describing to me, the fact that their wife, 10 years later from an event, if that name of that person is uttered, 10 years to the day, she still shudders when she hears their name. There might be work to do if you hear the name, can't say the name without it causing a reaction. Number four, this one happens to me. Uh, you see them, maybe you're shopping, sitting in a cafe driving downtown, and you see them, and all of a sudden, it's like your stomach just drops right out of the bottom. You didn't even know there was a bottom, and it's just gone. It start doing backflips inside. You start, like, feeling nauseous. You feel as if you're, like, sweating, even though maybe nothing's coming out. You're just in this state of, like, oh, my goodness. There they are. Then you want to run away, but you'd look really weird if you did that, and so you just kind of stand there, and uh, you don't know what to say, or you kind of hope they don't see you and walk the other way, or you kind of hope they feel the exact same way you feel, because then maybe they won't come around you. But you see them, and it, you feel gutted. Number five, if you hear that something has gone well for this person, and your thought is, oh, that stinks. Or that's unfair. Like, God, you know what they've done to me, and yet you're continuing to bless them? That just doesn't seem right. If you're in that space, you still might need to forgive. Uh, Number six, I think, right? Um, 
Whenever you think of a person, you instantly think of the thing they did or the thing they said. That to think of them is to think of the offense. It's almost as if you've made that person the thing that happened. And so anytime you think of them, you think of the hurt. There might still be work to do. Number seven, if you wish they were dead, had a heart attack, moved to Guam, fell off their bike, anything like that, then maybe there's still some work to be done. Number eight, if you're constantly looking for them or hoping for them to fail in some way, like you're just kind of waiting, like, oh man, it would be great if, then there's still work to be done. Number nine, if you can't go for a month or more without thinking about the event, the circumstance, the, the saying, the phrase, whatever, um, if it keeps lingering and you can't seem to get past it, there might be work that needs to be done. Number ten, if you cannot see a single good thing in the other person, if nothing about them carries even a hint of goodness, then perhaps you've not forgiven And then the last and final one, at least on my list, the person is often on your mind and yet never in a good way. You can't seem to ever wish them well in the future. So you think of them, they're often come to the surface, but it's never like in a good or positive light. Now I have to be honest, if I look at that list and I list, uh, I hate that list. You know, if I'm honest... I hate the list, and I hate it because even just a couple years, a couple months ago even, if you would have asked me questions on this list, I would have probably had to say, yeah, absolutely. I'm still struggling with that. I'm still struggling with forgiveness. I'm still struggling with no resentment or wanting to get revenge, but knowing I, I shouldn't. Uh, wrestling with this idea of forgiveness. And so... These signs would have like been a witness testifying to the fact that I still had work to do. And maybe they're a sign testifying that for you this morning. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think, do I, do you have something still to do as it relates to forgiveness? I'm going to give you about 20 seconds. And I want you on your bulletin to write like a yes or a no. I want you to jot down, yeah, I have to. I have to do something about this. Maybe you can write the person's initials down. Don't write their name and show your neighbor or anything. Just keep it simple. Keep it discreet. Just between the two of you, right? But maybe there's this thing you're realizing that as you walk through those signs, it became obvious. We've got something to do about it, right? So 20 seconds. Write it down. Write the name. Yes, no, I have to deal with something. And then the next two weeks, what we're going to do is kind of uh, walk through what we should do about it. Okay? So, 20 seconds, go. All right, hopefully you had enough time to jot down a yes or no, maybe the initial something that would trigger your mind back to this moment, but I want you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 17. I want to look at a uh, a particular teaching in uh, the Gospel of Luke that I think Jesus communicates to his disciples and to others around him that I think is essential as we wrestle with this idea of forgiveness. So I want to look at a, a few things this morning which will lead us into next week. Next week we're going to highlight a bunch of practicals and I'll 
explain that uh, later. But I want to look at a few truths from this particular passage. Luke 17, verses 3 through 5. It says this, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Alright, so here's a few essential truths on this idea of forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is an action, not just a feeling. Forgiveness is an action, not just a feeling. Another way of saying it would be that forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision that you or I make to, instead of seeking justice, we show grace. Instead of seeking revenge, we show mercy. It's a decision, an action. And that's important for us to know. If we've been wounded in some way, it's important for us to recognize that it is an action, it's a choice, and not just a feeling. I have never counseled someone who sat down for a first conversation. They're talking about this issue. They say, I have forgiveness to be done. And then the next thing that comes out of their mouth is, man, it just amazes me how much love I feel for them and how quickly I want to make things right. I have no ill will. Uh, It's never happened. Never. Because it's not a feeling. Not just a feeling. You may feel it at some point. But it is a choice. It's a determined action that needs to take place and not something you feel. If you are waiting, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm just going to wait until I feel like forgiving that person. You might be waiting a while, right? You might just be waiting. It just doesn't solve itself overnight. It's not something that, you know, you just go, well, time will make it pass. Time will bury it maybe for a little while until it surfaces again. Until God brings conviction or until you see the person. You can't just hide it. It's not just going to come. The text says this. If he, I'll include, or she, sins against you seven times in a day, forgive them. Now here's what I think is interesting. Right? It's clear that the text says that if it's repeated multiple times, that you should forgive multiple times. Right? It is unlikely, I'm just going to say, within the course of one day, it is unlikely between offense number three and four that somehow in the middle of those two offenses that your internal feelings adjusted in such a way that you no longer felt hurt, pain, abandonment, neglect, frustration, and you just feel like forgiving them number five. And then number six. It's not going to happen that way. Right? It's a decision, a willful action. It's unlikely that you're just going to feel it. So number one, forgiveness is an action and not just a feeling. Number two that we see in the text. Forgiveness is not dependent on the other person. Forgiveness is not dependent on the other person. Oh, how I wish it was. Right? Oh, how I wish it was. I wish that uh, forgiveness rested on the other person's response. If I were to be honest, I wish that the other person would admit guilt, and then if they admitted guilt, then it would be easy to forgive. But it's not dependent on their admission of guilt. 
I want the person to walk in, get on their hands and knees and say, oh, I'm so sorry for my offense towards you. Probably not going to happen. But it's not dependent on their reaction. It's not dependent on their performance. It's not based on their sincerity. One thing that I have been learning about forgiveness is that no matter what you do, right? No matter what you do, there's no guarantee that the person that you forgive will ever change. You might forgive them and they might do it again. You might forgive them and they keep going on being the jerk that they were or always were, that you felt that they were. It's not dependent on them, right? Forgiveness is about you and not based on the other person. Again, let me look at the text with you. It says this, If he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Again, this shows that forgiveness cannot be based on performance. It cannot be based on sincerity. If the person offends you again and again and again, seven times in one day, there's a good chance they're not very sincere about the repent in between. Right? It just keeps coming. And you know it's, it doesn't feel sincere. It isn't real. It's almost as if they're just like, yeah, okay, I repent. And then moving on. But it's not based on them. Right? It's not based on them. Oh, if it was, it would make it a lot easier, perhaps. But it's not based on their performance or their sincerity. Forgiveness is not dependent on the other person. Number three. Forgiveness is a process. The text says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase. It implies movement, change, a trajectory of sorts. Increase our faith. It's something that we grow into. The forgiveness can be an action, like we said before, but it is not just an event, it is a process. It takes time. It takes work takes effort. It can span months of time. It can span years of time to work to that place of forgiveness. I mean, you know, you understand, it takes time to let go of resentment. It takes time to feel vindicated. And that may never even come. But it takes time to make things right. It takes time to get relief from pain. It doesn't happen all at once. Right? If if you've thought that that's the case, it it doesn't. It comes in stages, and often it feels like stages with like major roadblocks in the way. Like you feel like you're progressing, and then you're like, what in the world? What happened? There's a moment... Maybe you felt this way. There's a moment where you feel like, hey, it's done. It's it's gone. I've dealt with it. And then you see the person again, and then you go, okay, it isn't. No. Right back where I thought I was before. Or maybe you got to that place where you're like, man, I've forgiven it, and it's dealt with, and then somebody somehow brings up something that re-triggers that emotion, that experience, that pain, and all of a sudden it's like it washes over you again and you're in the process. 
It's, it's often the way, it's similar to the way that I've described grief. I think I've talked about it here before. That it's like the, if, if you've been to the ocean, it's like these waves that keep coming in. And sometimes like you feel like you, you know, you got past the waves. Maybe you've stepped over a few that were at the shore. And then you turn around and you're like saying something to someone. And then the next wave was a little bigger than you thought it was supposed to be. And it just like knocks you over. It's like that. You can't plan it. It's not timed. It's not like, oh, well, here's going to be my moment where I'm going to wrestle with forgiveness again. No, it just comes. It's not, you're not ready for it. And there it is again, like a wave just crashing into you. And you have to deal with it. And it's true that the deeper the hurt, the more the pain, the more deeper the wound, the more time may be needed for the difficult act of forgiveness. It will take a while. Because forgiveness is a process. Number four, forgiveness is also an act of faith. The apostles say in this, Lord, increase our faith. I love, I love the response of the disciples. I love it. Jesus is like, hey, if somebody offends you, somebody hurts you, somebody does something wrong to you, forgive them. Forgive them seven times. And the disciples are like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Like, increase our faith. They're saying, like, Jesus, I can't do it. I can't do it. Apart from you, impossible. You are asking too much. They know it's over their heads. They know it can't be done. It it should be the same reaction we have. That even when when he says to the disciples at another time, it's 70 times 7, you're like, are you kidding me? That that means like forever and ever. Well, yep, exactly. Right? And you're going, man, God, I can't do that. And then you're right where you need to be because forgiveness is an act of faith. You can't do it on your own. It's impossible. It's trusting, and this is a hard one, it's trusting that Jesus is better at justice than you are. Right? Faith that, that God has a better way set aside than revenge. It is believing that every act of forgiveness is inching us towards this idea that the kingdom is present on earth as it is in heaven that we get to taste and experience a little bit of what that will be like. I think it's also faith because you have to believe that God will bring healing, that He will bring recovery, that He will bring freedom. If you've felt this for a long time and feel bound by it, He can bring healing, but it's an act of faith to believe that He will. It's also faith to believe that He will work in our situation And handle it with justice and grace and mercy in all the ways that are right for all parties. Not just for us. That He will replace the hate with love. That He will replace the unforgiveness with peace. That He will bring healing. I also think it's an act of faith to lean into this teaching. And what I mean by that is, it is an act of faith to say, I will forgive seven times again and again. Because at that third, fourth, maybe even not just the second time, it feels like, God, I, I don't have what it takes to do this again. But, but this has happened seven times today, and then seven times tomorrow, and then seven times the next. There's a pattern. 
This person keeps doing the same thing. And so it's asking, can I continue, God, to step into that faith and forgive? Can I continue to take action even if I don't feel like it? Can I continue to forgive even if the other person is insincere? Can I continue to lean into this act of faith? Because that's what it is. It's an act of faith. I think Jesus in this teaching gives us many things to wrestle with. And next week what I want to do is talk about some practicals. Some real clear practicals. What do we do with the wound? So if you've been wounded, and we don't even have to have a show of hands because it's like 100%. Okay? So we don't have to like cover because it's all happened, right? So what do you do with the wound? We're going to talk about that. What do you do with them, the offender? Maybe you're the offender, and so what do you do in that situation? And then what do you do with us? How do we deal with forgiveness? But I want, before we go this morning, I want to give us one practical to end our time. So I said it's an act of faith to lean into forgiveness. It's an act of faith to believe that God will take care of his side of the equation, that he will provide what's necessary for you to move past it. But I would also say that as we take communion this morning, it is an act of faith to believe that he provides the way for forgiveness for us. That the same forgiveness that we're supposed to offer to someone else is the same forgiveness that he's already provided for us, but even more, right? And it is an act of faith to believe in his unconditional, unfathomable love that He continues to pour out on us again and again with deep faithfulness. And along with that, there's this like haunting teaching of Jesus in the book of Matthew. He's in the Sermon on the Mount, and He says this. And this is our first practical. Before we get to more practicals next week, He says this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. So here's what I'm going to say. We're offering communion this morning. It's going to be in those three corners. We want you to come and experience and be reminded of the forgiveness of God. We want you to be reminded that He extends daily forgiveness toward us in a way that invites us to extend that to our brother. And just as I invite you to the communion table this morning, I also invite you to skip it. What I mean is, if you have a brother or sister that you need to forgive, if you have someone you know, either you've offended or they're offended with you, then I think the appropriate response and the first practical to get at where we need to continue to go this next week is to say, I'm going to leave my my offering at the altar, I'm going to stop right where I'm at and I'm going to go take care of it. That might mean that you leave right now. When we enter into song, you might take off and you go, I'm going to deal with it right now. Or it might mean that you just sit there and you pray and you ask God for an opportunity this week to deal with it. But I think what's clear, and it's clear all throughout the Scriptures, is that we can't be the kind of people that have a a horizontal disconnect with others where we do not love our brother, as the text says, and yet somehow pretend as if we have a deep love for God. If you ask people, how are things with you and God? Oh, things are really great. How are things with you and your brother? I hate his guts. Okay, well then, just as disconnected as this. But we seem to like parse it out and go, oh, well, everything between me. Worship time was great on Sunday. 
small group. I love everybody. Well, I mean, except for that one person. But everything else seems to be great, you know. No. We have to be people who actually believe what we say. And at the center of Christianity is forgiveness. And if I have been canceled a huge debt, then it is my responsibility to turn and forgive someone else's. And so this morning, I invite you to the table, but I also invite you to to skip it, to go do what's needed to be done. And uh, then next week, what we'll do is spend some significant time talking about how do we actually practically live out forgiveness? What does it look like for us? How do we treat the offender? What do we do with us? And what do we do with the wound? So let me pray, and then uh, we'll take communion here together this morning. Father, we are convinced you have this unfathomable, unfailing, uh, supernatural, only of you kind of love for us. And uh, it blows our minds. If we're honest about it, we, we know the gravity of our sin. We know the situation that we find ourselves in. We know how imperfect we can be, and yet you look on us through Jesus Christ with this deep affection, that this, this sense of forgiveness over everything. You welcome us as sons and daughters to the table. You welcome us to feast with you, uh, to be in relationship with you, and we are amazed by that gift. And yet that gift invites us to do the same, to turn around and to love those who have persecuted us, to care for those who've wounded us, to forgive those who've acted toward us in ways that are so hurtful. God, I pray that healing would begin to take place in relationships this morning. I pray that there would be a true sense that if we wrote down a name, if we thought about a particular person, that we continue to need to forgive, that we would begin to enact that choice we'd make the decision to offer grace instead of justice that we'd begin to live into your healing power of forgiveness. I pray as we wrestle with this next week as well that you would continue to do a work in our community. Help us not to be people who just hear one thing and walk away and forget what it says. Intent work of hearing your word and then putting it into action. Give us the grace for that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.